We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. True humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. And that is from Rick Warren. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Brigitte Gia and on today's show we'll be discussing the gift of humility. And I'm Joven Hundel. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be the Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit www.bethestarur.org to make a tax deductible donation and get more information about how you can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. Be the Star You Are has also launched Operation Hurricane Harvey Disaster Relief. We need your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and other resources. Please donate today at bethestarur.org. You can even donate through PayPal Giving Fund with no fees. And with that, Brigitte will be opening in this first segment with a discussion on her observations about humility and the role it plays in people's lives. Take it away, Brigitte. Hey guys, it's Brigitte, of course, and today I'll be going over some of the things I've just noticed about being and staying humble. Uh, So we all know the saying, pride comes before fall, and I think that there's truth embedded in this particular little um, phrase that people say a lot, and I think that's why it's stayed prevalent throughout all these years of use. People say pride comes before a fall a lot when talking to someone who's maybe displayed a little too much braggadocio, a little too much, you know, pomp, Um, and it really is very, very true because when you have too much, you know, overinflated pride and when you believe in yourself, but then you take it to another, maybe more undesirable level and boast about yourself to put other people down, it, it will kind of come before a fall. You know, you will be put back into your place. Uh, that's kind of a little how the world works, where if maybe you're putting other people down, other people will seek to put you down and your pride will lead in your fall. And so that the theme today is absolutely perfect in that people do have to stay humble in order to kind of stay you know, self-confident. If you're not humble, then people will seek to undermine you and then you may lose your self-confidence and it may also be bad for your plans, for your future, and for your present even. And so uh, I wanted to address, first of all, the difference between self-confidence and braggadocio, where self-confidence is believing you can do something, having faith in your ability to accomplish a goal or task, 
you know, really just believing yourself. The term kind of explains it all. Um, and self-confidence is really the the knowledge that you have the ability to do something to, you know, complete any sort of task. But pride or overconfidence, or braggadocio, is when one is too vocal about their abilities and then when one uses past accomplishments as a way to put others down and prey upon others' self-confidence. So if you are proud of your accomplishments, there's nothing wrong with that and you should take faith in yourself and have faith in yourself, believe in your own abilities, but if you're taking your past accomplishments and then you're cutting into other people with them and making others feel bad about them, I think that's where the line falls between self-confidence and overconfidence, uh, is that one is self-empowering. One is uh, empowering your being to accomplish more things and to set more goals and to complete them, whereas the other one is more about chopping other people up and making sure that they can't you know, get to their goal or meet their challenges. And I think that's really the major difference between the two. And so we see in today's media, we see in today's culture a lot about having pride and having self-confidence and finding yourself and embracing your person. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. And you can embrace yourself and definitely still stay humble and practice humility. But if you're using your abilities or you're using um, details of your past accomplishments to uh, push others to a breaking point and to remove their self-confidence, then you've gone too far. And I think that really goes past humility, past practicing humility and past having self-confidence and more into the realm of uh, trying to destroy others. And so um, I also wanted to talk about uh, tying into what I just said, uh, how to stay humble, but maybe avoid being a pushover as well. Um, Maybe how to stay assertive, but not overstepping your boundaries and becoming overconfident. And then how to be sensitive to others' emotions and really not be a pushover, but also not exhibit too much overconfidence. And so I think the way to do this is to really be sensitive to others' emotions and think twice about your words when you're having a conversation with somebody. So if you're talking to your friend and, you know, maybe as high schoolers, we all have college on our minds. And so maybe the conversation turns to college and turns to applications. Um, I know for me personally, I am a high school senior. So a lot of the time, my friends and I's conversation will turn back around to college and where we're going to do and what we're doing for all those applications. And so it becomes important at a time like that to watch your words and to make sure that you're not overstepping your boundaries uh, in terms of self-confidence and not saying, uh, oh, you're not doing this part of the application? Well, I've already done it. You know, that sort of language is uh, maybe, I wouldn't say frowned upon, but definitely uh, discouraged, you know, when you're talking to your friends or when you're having a conversation about maybe college or maybe even like sports achievements, um, the best thing to do in order to practice humility is to break down your speech and avoid 
the kind of words that might hurt someone or that might uh, decrease their self-confidence, you know, make them feel bad about where they are in a certain application process, in any sort of process or any sort of activity. And so that's really the key to practicing humility in a conversation uh, when you're with other people is to just push down maybe the urge to talk a lot about yourself and then hold what you've done over others and try more to listen to other people, listen to their steps, and maybe even use your own accomplishments, knowledge, self-confidence to help them with something. And so maybe an example of this, I, I recently kind of had a had a little bout with humility and practicing humility uh, the other day when my friend and I were talking about college apps. And what happened was I, I had already done a lot of my college apps over the summer. Uh, I just wanted to get a head start. And she was really confused. You know, she, uh, she hadn't started yet because um, she'd been busy over the summer. And so she hadn't really been able to jump onto her college apps. And so as most humans do, or as all of us do, really, I have flaws. And I actually consider, you know, not being able to practice humility as one of the flaws that I need to conquer and I need to push down my ego. And that day, I, I thought about it. I thought about saying, oh, I've already finished my college apps or I'm almost done with mine. Like, look at all the stuff that I've done. But then I thought it's not a good idea to do that. You know, it would hurt her and she's a friend that I really value. And I don't want that to disturb our friendship. I don't want my own ego and my lack of humility to, you know, disrupt something in our friendship and make her feel bad. And so I decided instead to maybe guide her through her applications. And so the two of us went over the steps that we needed for our apps. And I said, oh, you know, you need to get on this one site and do this and this and this. And later on, you know, our friendship was all right. There were no bumps caused by my lack of humility. And I know it's happened uh, for me personally in the past. What's happened is that I've shown too much braggadocio. I've shown an overconfidence and uh, cut down on others' self-confidence. And it's resulted in, you know, my own feeling really, really bad. And it's also resulted in my friends uh, being hurt or, you know, not wanting to talk about college apps anymore because, Bridget, you're always, you've already finished your college apps. We get it. And I realized that, it's not good for our friendship, it's not good for me, and it's definitely, you know, very hurtful to them. And I've decided that really I need to think twice about my words, and that is my advice to all of you audience out there, is to make sure you think twice about everything you say uh, when you're, you know, stepping into a sensitive area or when you're stepping into an area where you are maybe on a, a bit of a stronger footing than other people. Uh, and it's a good idea in those situations to watch your words, to watch what you say and watch what you say about yourself and how much you talk about yourself. And one last thing I really wanted to jump onto, um, kind of changing topics a little here, is the impact that social media has had on practicing humility and whether it's a good or bad thing. And I thought that 
social media has led us to be more humble, but it's also given us the tools to be less humble and to kind of be able to, again, take our own self-confidence and then cut down on other people with it. And so, Joven, I just wanted to know, you know, um, what do you think about that and social media and all of that stuff and how it ties into humility? Yeah, you know, um, that's a really interesting question because, you know, as you were talking about in this segment, it's really important to find that balance between, you know, being proud and having self-esteem of all your accomplishments, but then making sure, you know, that you're not kind of leaving any others felt bad. And I like how you're bringing up social media now because you're right, you know, that does give us the opportunity to kind of just start bragging about ourselves or anything like that. But at the same time, Um, I do think it has had a sort of net positive on that issue Mm -hmm. as, um, you know, whether it's like on Twitter, retweeting other people's accomplishments and everything that great that they've done, we can highlight that and and kind of put an emphasis on that, give props Mm -hmm. where um, props is due and, you know, all that. And so it was a very interesting um, question. And, you know, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Uh, Unfortunately, that is all the time we have. Us uh, Listeners, please support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. And for more info on how to do this, go to www.bethestarur.org and follow our blog. I'm Joven Hundle. And I'm Brigitte Chia. For more information, head on over to our website at bethestarur.org. Don't go anywhere as we continue our discussion on humility. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our uplifting and inspiring program. I'm Joven Hundle, and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. And for this show, we are discussing the theme of humility. And I'm Brigitte Gia. Today, Joven's back with another installment of his segment, World Watch. Take it away, Joven. Hi again. Uh, I'm so excited to be bringing back my segment, World Watch, back for a theme like humility. You know, humility and modesty, it's uh, so important to be able to stay grounded in reality, even if, you know, you're wildly successful. And once you do reach this uh, point of success, uh, this sort of humility helps you realize that you can use the success to help others succeed. And, you know, um, 
there's the hotly debated trickle-down economics. Well, I'd like to use that term and talk about trickle-down success and using your success and making sure that other people can gain a little from it too. And so for this segment of World Watch, I wanted to talk a little bit about some very humble individuals that we could all learn a thing or two from. You know, to start things off, I wanted to talk about a little bit about Warren Buffett. You know, he's one of the five richest people in the world with over $70 billion, uh, more than oh, most geez. of us can even begin <laughs> to imagine, right? Yeah. And however, he still lives in his uh, tiny little $30,000 home that he bought way back in the 1960s in Omaha, Nebraska. Now, uh, when you picture billionaires, I'm sure most of us think about, you know, people who love to show off their wealth with these sorts of gold-plated items and mansions bigger than our entire neighborhood. Uh, but no, Warren Buffett, Buffett is not that kind of billionaire. In fact, he has um, called on our government to increase taxes on people like him so that more money can go to issues that the everyday American cares about. Uh, furthermore, about a decade ago, uh, Buffett and Bill Gates started the Giving Pledge. And, you know, the Giving Pledge, it's a fantastic thing. It's an agreement between some of the wealthiest individuals in the world to donate over half of their wealth to charitable, charitable causes by the time they die. Uh, dozens and dozens of billionaires and multimillionaires have signed on, whether it's, you know, Apple CEO Tim Cook, whether it's um, or some others of these people worth tens of billions of dollars, but even these multimillionaires, um, mm -hmm. their combined pledges total around $350 billion. I uh, heard that correctly, $350 billion, uh, which is bigger than, you know, the GDP of many tiny nations around the world. Uh, Oh, we could hope, you know, that that money will go to important charities that deserve it. I remember a couple months ago, I had a segment of World Watch where I talked about making sure that um, when you're donating money, it goes to the right sorts of charities. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, even better, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and Mark Zuckerberg have also made a side pledge in addition to the giving pledge, uh, where they have agreed that they will be donating roughly 99% of their wealth to charity. Uh, you know, that you will still leave their descendants with hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, that's really nice to hear such a thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, switching gears for a bit, I wanted to talk about another billionaire um, who we all know. Uh, Elon Musk has had a very curious rise to the top over the course of his career. And I guess you could say he's always had, you know, a sort of eye to the future. Uh, he co-founded PayPal 20 years ago to deal with uh, the increasing number of online payments. And after his success there, uh, that gave him the freedom to pursue various utilitarian ideas. Uh, he's recognized that we aren't doing enough to help our environment, so he's been working diligently to do his part. Uh, he's become a household name for his electric car manufacturer, Tesla, and has followed that up with uh, many other projects. He founded Solar City to get residential areas to adopt solar panels on a widespread scale, and has also founded SpaceX to continue on with space exploration. You know, over the past few decades, the percentage of the U.S. federal budget allocated to NASA has been decreased dramatically. But Musk has been able to continue on NASA's um, fight where they may have not had the resources. You know, Elon Musk's ultimate goal is to colonize Mars. And, you know, that's obviously a pipeline dream that <laughs> wouldn't happen in the near future at all. But if it does en ever end up happening, you know, Elon Musk and SpaceX certainly deserve some credit there. 
And furthermore, Musk has been hoping to alleviate transportation issues across America. As an L.A. Um, native, he has founded, um, last year, he founded what is called The Boring Company. Uh, <laughs> this is supposed to um, alleviate, you know, all the tough uh, public transit laws and any sorts of obstacles they have to face. And instead, he's using it to try and build a new sort of underground transportation system. And so he's also, I remember reading about this a few years ago, and I was just shocked that he was planning to have some sort of transportation system that he called the Hyperloop go from L.A. to San Francisco in 35 minutes. Oh, wow. you know, if you don't live in California, normally that drive would take, you know, about 10 hours. And to do something like that in 35 minutes, you know, I was just shocked to hear that he was working towards such a thing. Uh, Obviously, again, another pipeline project that won't happen for ages. But it's really interesting when he's um, using these sorts of projects. And also the boring company I talked about a few moments ago, he says he wants to have... um, between Washington, D.C. and New York City, another sort of transportation system that'll take less than an hour. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) uh, These transportation systems, whether it's solar panels, whether it's just space exploration, whether it's electric cars, um, it's so fascinating, you know, just to check in a little and see what he's doing. It's a famous saying that, you know, it's easy to make more money once you already have some money. But he hasn't really taken that approach. Once he made his money with PayPal, he's taken... Um, his focus to these sorts of ideas that, you know, can benefit us all and aren't, you know, your little money-grubbing schemes. <laughs> and, you know, kind of moving on a bit, I wanted to talk about Carlos Slim, who is the formerly richest man in the world. I believe he was dethroned a few years ago by Bill Gates <laughs> once again. Um, but he's a Mexican telecommunications uh, mogul who made his money there, and his you know, after he's gotten all this money, his dream now is to help all those millions of Mexican children sort of break the cycle. Because, you know, it's a self-reinforcing cycle where, mm-hmm. um, you know, lots of these kids who are born in poverty are just going to continue on once they become adults in poverty. Yes, yeah, cyclical like, poverty. Exactly, exactly. And it's especially true for a country like Mexico. So he's been um, using his vast resources to create programs in Mexico City and all sorts of other projects and ideas to alleviate um, whether it's poverty or giving internet access to all these other Mexicans across the countryside and other sorts of amazing projects. And, you know, another person I want to talk about is uh, Mother Teresa, who was made a saint, I believe, by the Roman Catholic Church only last year. Uh, You know, she won the Nobel Peace Prize. She was famous all around the world. But, you know, she didn't, like, sell out or anything. She continued on for decades helping the poor, helping um, pregnant women who couldn't afford to keep helping to help their child grow. Whether it's, you know, again, poverty, all these sorts of sick people and poor people, she was able to use the platform that she had to continue to help these people. All around the world, she would build centers and hospitals um, to help these people, to show them that they still have 
you know, an opportunity to succeed. And, you know, that's all about what humility is about. Once you have that success, uh, you know, kind of making sure that it'll trickle down to others. And Mm -hmm. so anyway, I just thought that some of these individuals, you know, they're model citizens on how to remain humble after their extraordinary success and how to, you know, channel that success for the greater good. Yeah, definitely. You know, I love I love this entire theme of just trickle down you know, humility, trickle down humble and <laughs> using your money towards the greater good. And I love all the figures that you brought up who have been using their their wealth towards the, you know, the benefit of posterity and trying to solve society's problems because, you know, I definitely agree with you that that's really the way to use the wealth that you've got once you've earned it, you know, um, just take enough money to sustain yourself and to maybe sustain your future, your, your children, your family. And then if you have any excess, you know, you can definitely give back to your community, give back to, uh, you know, whatever nation you live in, uh, give to the future and to future generations who will try to continue to ensure maybe innovation keeps going um, within like a long humanities path. I, um, I did, you know, I was a little unsure about Mother Teresa because she is this wonderful figure of humility and of giving, but I, I did recently hear that um, there was some stuff that she did that was maybe not as, you know, not as amazing uh, that might have been controversial to some people. And that brings up maybe the question of like, um, you know, once you've maybe done some stuff, could you also do a lot of good stuff? Like, what is the difference there between bad and good? Um, and I heard that Mahatma Gandhi kind of had the same sort of thing going on where some people say he did some stuff that was controversial, but overall, you know, he represents peace as Mother mm-hmm. Teresa does peace and humility and maybe benevolence, um, the goodwill of the people. And I also did want to bring up one figure real quick or um, several figures, I guess, <laughs> but I did, I did read an article about uh, these Muslim uh, multimillionaires who are, you know, um, giving back to their community and using their money to um, towards charitable means and donating to charities, building schools, helping with, um, I think, the hurricane efforts. Um, and what they're trying to do is kind of show the world that the Islamic religion is not you know, all closely associated with terrorists, you know, these, these terrorist organizations are extremists and Mm. that the Muslim religion is still, um, you know, still holds the values of like community, humility, giving, uh, very highly. They still keep these values. And I think that's also a very strong point. Um, and something that, I think these Muslim millionaires are doing well towards. They're giving back to their community. And so thank you, Jovan, so much for this amazing conversation. And that was so much good information that you brought for us. And a lot of these people are really our role models nowadays, which is really, really good. Uh, Unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment. Um, Audience, please visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, blogs, and more. I'm Brigitte Gia. 
And I'm Jovan Hundel. Also, please visit our charity site at bethestarur.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash bethestarur. Stay right here as we continue our fascinating discussion on the gift of humility. Show the world your smile, be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. We didn't invent Kid Talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Brigitte Gia, and our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. For this edition of Express Yourself, we are continuing our fascinating conversation regarding our theme, the gift of humility. And I'm Jovan Hundle. In this segment, let's go over some of the times we've seen humility in action and what you, our audience, might be able to glean from those sorts of experiences. Uh, Brigitte, would you like to start us off? Sure, Joven. Um, I have what I would consider to be uh, maybe a pretty educating story on hand, but I do have to say that it's about a time when I didn't have the uh, sight or thought of humbling myself. Um, but I'll go ahead and go over what happened, and I'll explain the things I learned at the end, and maybe let all of you uh, take it as it is. Uh, hopefully, you'll be able to learn something from my uh, miss experience. So here we go. Um, so in elementary school, I I used to be kind of harassed, bullied a little by this group of boys who maybe they didn't know any better. Maybe they were having a rough time in their lives. Um, I whatever the factors were, they sort of took it out on me. Um, I was uh, I was I was kind of chubby as a little kid, and I had glasses. I had so I had the four eyed syndrome. Um, I was. I was very, very big on books. I was, uh, I would go to the library at recess and read instead of going out to play. And I was maybe the stereotypical or the storybook version of uh, a, maybe a nerd character or a studious figure, uh, the bookworm, uh, a lot of people like to call it. And so this group of boys uh, used to mock me a little, make fun of me. I'd be kind of the target for their their shenanigans. And I would I started a lot of like clubs and organizations at my elementary school. Uh, there was one like trash picking up club where I would have everybody meet um, every week and 
it'd be something like I'd bring candy and I'd give it to all the trash pickup members and these boys would try to steal it. And when they couldn't steal it, the next day they would bring a bag of candy and just give it freely out to everybody in the classroom except me. And I'd be like, okay, that's a little petty, I guess. Uh And, you know, it was, it was a little rough. Um, I had a cold, they would tease me about it. And so I was a little scared of them. I, um, we went to middle school and I'd avoid them in the mornings. They'd kind of uh, huddle in this giant group and I'd try to go around them or I'd try to avoid them. And so we got to high school and especially like uh, the last two years of high school and this year of high school, I'd been gaining more confidence in myself. I'd uh, really, my studies had gone fine and I'd dropped a few pounds, which is nice. I'd had a lifestyle change. And so I was looking pretty good. I had confidence in myself and maybe a month ago, uh, somewhere around there, I was standing in line behind uh, one of these um, former antagonists, former former antagonizers, whatever the word is, I was standing behind him. And I just had this sudden urge to really maybe crow a little about my accomplishments because I, I sort of had this feeling where I thought, look at me, look at me now, I'm doing fine, you know, you haven't had the chance to really bring me down, and so I got very uh, sort of angry, um, maybe not angry, but excited about this. I was thinking, you know, I'm looking good, my studies are going fine, I'm in a good place in life, and what you used to do to me is nothing. And so I was with my friends, and I began talking loudly about you know, some of the stuff I'd been doing or how many APs I'd been taking, where I was on my college apps. And the thing, though, is that my friends didn't know that I'd, I'd been, I was crowing with a purpose behind it or anything like that. And they got very irritated. They were like, why are you doing this? And, you know, the more I thought about it, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't know what they went through. I don't know why they were antagonizing me when I was a kid and they've maybe forgotten about it or maybe they're in a rough place uh, in life right now and what good uh, you know is it for me to lord my place in life over them uh, right now like Uh, And I just had this thought of maybe I should let bygones be bygones. My friends are irritated because I'm just bragging about myself at this point. Uh, The guy in front of me who used to make fun of me in elementary school is, sure, maybe he'll be affected. Maybe he'll be like, oh, I shouldn't have bullied her. But it'll make him feel bad and it won't solve what happened in the past. It's not going to undo that bullying. It's not going to undo maybe what he had going on in his life. And it's not really going to bring anything positive uh, to whatever situation I'm in either. And so I thought maybe, you know, having self-confidence was enough at this point, you know, having the knowledge or knowing that I was in a good place was enough without me crowing um, behind this guy about how great I was in, 
you know, and how well I was doing in life. And I thought maybe the lesson to be taken from this little interaction that I had uh, with this guy who I was standing behind in line who used to bully me is that, you know, at that point, maybe let bygones be bygones, you know being confident in myself was enough. The facts spoke for themselves. I, you know, I was known throughout the school uh, because I played violin and that was really, really nice. And I was pretty thankful for it. And I still am. Um, And I'm thankful to everybody who's helped me get to the place I am today in high school and, you know, who's helped me acquire my academic strength. And I don't necessarily need to yell about it at this guy because it's not going to do anything at the end of the day and it's not going to be beneficial to me. And I realized that maybe I don't need to purposefully show myself off to be able to stand out and be confident in myself because I know that I am in a good place. I know that I've been able to do a lot of things that have put me at a certain level in which I might be successful in accomplishing my goals uh, in the future. And it doesn't matter if he knows that. And even if he does know that, it comes at a price of me thinking it's okay to brag and my friends getting irritated with me and our friendship um, being in a more, um, you know, having more tensions. And so I thought, all right, let's just move on. Let's let bygones be bygones. And so that's my story. Um, it's, it's showing kind of the more ugly qualities about myself or my more undesirable tendencies. But I think hopefully I'll be able to learn more um, in the future when I have the urge to brag and, you know, when I have to push my ego down. And so, you know, Joven, uh, what do you think? And do you have a story of your own to share with the audience? Yeah, you know, wow, that was a very powerful story. I'm going to be thinking about that for days. Um, I'm obviously very happy you're in a better place right now, number one. Thanks. Um, And yeah, I just wanted to, um, you know, talk about that sort of kind of growing up um, path that you took and, you know, Mm -hmm. even these boys... And the way that you were able to, you know, just like kind of let bygones be bygones. You know, that was a very powerful kind of um, story. And yeah, I'll be thinking about that for days. Oh, um, thanks. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to talk about, so, you know, my dad, he comes from India. He immigrated here when he, into America, to California, when he was, um, after he graduated college. And mm-hmm. so when he was... 14 years old he was born in 1970 when he was 14 years old in 1984 um i wanted to talk about a little bit about the trauma that befell him then so uh, for those of you who don't um well so i'm a i belong to the religion sikhism and so for those of you who don't know in 1984 uh there was um what we call the sikh genocide so india Mm -hmm. is a very um diverse place you know it was never really supposed to be in the borders it is today uh, a lot of different ethnic groups just kind of got pushed together by colonizers um and so uh my religion sikhism were primarily concentrated in the north part of india in a province called punjab so in 1984 uh indira gandhi who had been one of the longest serving prime ministers if not the longest 
serving prime minister of India up to that point, uh, she was assassinated by two of her bodyguards who had, um, who claimed that they were Sikhs. And so after she was assassinated, uh, my religion, Sikhism, uh, we got persecuted all over India. You know, uh, we're mm-hmm. primarily concentrated in North India, but we mm-hmm. were sort of widespread. Apparently, um, from what I understand, we're the most widespread Indian diaspora across the world and parts of India. So after that incident, um, you know, we got um, Sikhs started getting persecuted all over India. So my dad, who was thankfully in the northern part of India, where most of the other Sikhs were, uh, he did not face this sort of um, violence himself. However, mm-hmm. in the streets of cities um, right near him, I believe there was a specific neighborhood just a few blocks away from the school he had went to, because he was in, he was, I think he was entering high school at the time. Um, there was all sorts of this violence and... Uh, you know, violence and people were being being killed by the thousands. You know, that's nothing necessarily new for India. We've had these religious conflicts for ages now. And so Mm -hmm. ever since my dad told that story to me and my sister as young children, uh, you know, me and my sister have always kind of looked for those sorts of figures in India, especially that um, are able to look past these religious conflicts. So... Because, you know, they have killed um, lots of members of my religion. We do hold a yearly sort of um, remembrance for them across, you know, the entire world. And so I remember back in 2008 when the movie Slumdog Millionaire came out, uh, there was this composer. So it was an Indian-American movie. And there's this composer named A.R. Rahman who had, um, you know, made a few songs for the movie. And Mm -hmm. so he had come to the U.S., he had won an Oscar for his role in the movie, and that was just a little bit after my dad had told me the story about how, you know, he had lived in constant fear of the violence that was sweeping the nation against his religion, um... And so just and so figures like A.R. Rahman, who had, after winning this Oscar, he took the money and the notoriety after, um reaching this level of success and took it back to India where Mm -hmm. in parts of, you know, right near my father's hometown, he started building schools um, to teach children music and how to kind of get out of the slums. Mm -hmm. And he was a Muslim himself. He was originally a Hindu and then he converted to Islam. And so he was able to kind of look past these religious conflicts and help Hindus, Muslims, Sikhs, all these sorts of different religions. And so, you know, this did not, um, obviously I don't know this man himself, but that story always just kind of struck to me about what he was able to do just because, um, you know, my dad had been telling me that story just a little before this movie came out. I went and mm-hmm. saw the movie theaters as a young boy and I loved it and yeah I just thought that that was a sort of humility itself you know it's interesting the different types of humility whether it's reaching mm-hmm. your success and helping others to get to your success or whether it's like you and you know kind of um making sure that that sort of success doesn't um kind of harm others and so it's interesting the different types of humility I think Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. As you said, you know, there are different types of humility. Uh, there's the one with the riches with your your earlier segment, and there's personal humility, and then there's humility of people that you might not know so much, but really hold 
uh, reverence for. Well, thanks so much, Jovan, for this wonderful conversation. Unfortunately, we are out of time. During the break, audience, be sure to check out our 501c3 literacy and positive media charity, Be The Star You Art, at bethestarur.org. There's more information under events at our website at btsya.org. And remember, guys, BTSYA has set up donations for hurricane disaster relief, so make sure to visit our website and please donate to those in need. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Joven Hundel. Visit www.expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about our show. And when we come back, we'll be continuing our inspiring conversation on the gift of humility. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. longer you listen the later it gets you're listening to voice america kids you're listening to express yourself on the voice america kids channel where teens talk and the world listens Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, and today's hour is all about the gift of humility. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Joven Hundle. We'll be closing the show today with Express Yourself reporter and host Katie Chu and her segment, Aim to Shoot. Go for it, Katie. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie, the reporter for Aim to Shoot, which is all about careers. And today I'm going to be talking about really the role of humility in following a successful career. So one thing about careers that a lot of people strive for is leadership. Whether you're going for a business or whether you're working in some kind of scientific field, whether it's computer science or medicine, a lot of people strive for a position of leadership. And that's not, you know, overly ambitious at all. It's natural and a lot of people just want to be able to do more in their field. But going, going toward leadership, a really important skill is being humble because part of being humble is being open to others' opinions. When you aren't able to, you know, show any humility or be humble, you tend to think about your opinion as the strongest opinion out there and the strongest um, or the best choice available. But once you try to open up and open up to others' opinions, it makes you a better leader, a better candidate for someone who can become a leader. And as you open up to others' opinions, it offers you a lot of opportunities to improve the kind of business you're working in or the field or whatever purpose you're working toward. And that can definitely be a huge, that can definitely make a huge impact in your career. Now, another part of leadership that's really important that comes from the quality of humility is being considerate of others' needs. 
Now, when you're kind of a, when you're a leader without humility, you tend to not consider what your other teammates or those who follow you and what they need. And the quality of humility has been found to be a better performance predictor of a team than intelligence or skill, because without humility, leaders tend to forget what their team members need or what their team members want to put forward in the project. And of course, this is a a big one when it comes to humility and being a leader. One is admitting mistakes. Now, a lot of leaders, because they have a lot of eyes on them or they have a lot of followers, they don't want to admit mistakes and they will try not to. But admitting mistakes is really a large part of becoming a trustworthy leader to whoever is following you or whoever you're working with. It makes you more relatable and more trustworthy, and that can really bring a team together, which, again, leads to a better performance, whatever you're working on. And that's a huge part of leadership. And that's why the role of humility is such is such an important quality in careers if you definitely want to go toward any kind of leadership in any kind of field. Now, one thing about humility is being able to accept ambu- ambiguity. Now, if you're not you're, if you're not humble, you tend to be more controlling and more accepting in any kind of or more controlling and less accepting in any kind of career. And you act this way toward team members, toward employees, toward whatever your purpose you're going towards. And that kind of makes you narrow-minded and closes up opportunities that you could potentially have in expanding your career. But if you try to be more humble and try to accept ambiguity and don't strive toward being controlling, then it opens up so many doors and you can have such a more successful and thriving career. Now, one thing about humility in careers is it helps you overcome failure. So a lot of people at one point in their career will be potentially at the peak of their career and you'll be at a very successful point and you'll feel as though you won't be able to experience a downfall but it's always possible and people always say that you know no matter how high you go there's always a possibility that you could come down again but if you are humble and you're a humble person in general toward the people you work with or the people the people who work under you when you do experience this you know hypothetical downfall people will be helped willing to help you rise again they'll be willing to offer the help to you know bring you help and assistance in any kind of way and that can really you know redirect your career no matter where you are at that point whether you're a successful person or whether you were once a successful person it can bring you back up now one really big thing is to receive this kind of help you have to help others and that's a huge you know quality of humility if you if you're working in some kind of company for example and you want to keep you want to gain a better position in that company or possibly you know one day be a leader in that company you have to advocate for your co-workers as much as they advocate for you so for example you see this you see a position that you think is a very high position possibly above yours but you know it might not be right for you but it's right for someone else then you definitely want to help advocate your coworker. You know, talk to someone about that coworker and say maybe this person could be right for that position. And once you help that person, that person will one day be willing to help you. And that's really how a lot of business works: um, cooperating with your coworkers, being able to work with other people to finally get to a better spot. 
and that really does come from being humble. But a huge thing, even before you go into career, is taking a moderate approach to career search. Not that not that a lot of people are overly ambitious or they think they're amazing enough to become the president, you know, as soon as they graduate high school. But a lot of people tend to forget about taking a moderate approach and look too ahead. And that's not so much an issue of not being humble, but just forgetting about forgetting about real life issues or obstacles that may be in your way. But really emphasizing the quality of humility and being reminded of it does lead you to taking a more moderate approach to the career search. For an example, if you want to, you know, open up a business or, for example, become an author, you want to work at maybe a lower level. If you want to be an author, maybe work as an editor with another author. Or if you want to, you know, open up a business, work with a couple different businesses to really understand the structure and understand the process of, you know, creating a business. And that really requires you to to think moderately when it comes to your career search. Now, the issue of humility with careers is that a lot of people think that you can't be humble and be confident at the same time. For example, if you're talking to someone and you're overly humble, a lot of people think that you might be, you might end up holding back or letting the other person take control of whatever you're trying to do or they'll or they'll think that you aren't capable but confidence and humility are two very different things and they can definitely go hand in hand in hand because confidence without humility is fraud basically when you're confident without humility it's it means that you're putting the spotlight only on your best most successful moments and you're not taking your mistakes into account but if you do if you are a really confident person and you want to show that, then you want to put your spotlight not only on your best moments, but your worst moments too. And that's really being confident and humble at the same time. And that's the kind of person that a lot of people do want to see as a leader, do want to work with, you know, and one day um, really cooperate with in any kind of business or career. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, one of the biggest things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, um, I always hear stories of like the bosses who are also the friends and maybe the teachers who are really understanding of their students. And there is this idea, yeah, of, you know, achieving this position of leadership, but also being open to collaboration with your peers and being open to working with those who are under your jurisdiction. And I I love how you emphasize that in your career segment this week. And I love how you talked about really building this community within the workplace and the desire of employers to find people who can help create this um, community atmosphere, sort of. And I definitely think that's really, really important when you're looking for the right job and when employers are trying to hire. (laughs) And so, um, Katie, are there any, you know, disadvantages to humility and being humble? Well, even though I just said, yeah, confidence and humility do go hand in hand. And they do when they're, you know, balanced together, being confident by, you know, showing your best moments and your worst moments. And by doing so, you're also being humble. But a lot of people do either take humility um, too far or, you know, not the opposite, um, become too or forget, mm-hmm. you know, being 
forget to be humble. But when you are too humble, you may become unconfident. And there is that possibility, you know, you may be too humble and people may not may start to think that you are unqualified. So that it's really important to find that balance, especially when it comes to careers, you know, right now mm-hmm. for you and me in high school, being humble, <laughs> you know, being humble may just seem like, oh, it's something we should keep in mind. But when you do cur- go into careers, there's so much interaction between coworkers, between businesses, and it is really important how you act in front of people and being humble can be such a huge thing it's just that you have to keep it to a point where they know you're qualified and they know that you're acknowledging that they're qualified and it's just you know an atmosphere of respect really mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah you're definitely right you have to find that balance between you know selling yourself for a job or in college apps but also <laughs> making sure you know you're not coming off as you know how overconfident or arrogant. And so I wanted to ask, you know, how can you know if you are being humble? Like, how can you ensure that you're being a humble boss or a humble employee? Is there any way to, you know, like kind of check that or? Well, you know, a huge thing about being humble is that you're aware of what's going around, what's going on around you, whether it's with your coworkers or with just the conflicts in your team. And if you understand the nature of the conflicts in your team, like, you know, if there was an interpersonal conflict on the team and how it could be resolved and you're thinking about that, or if you're on your mind, you have, you know, the time and budget constraints that require extra creativity in a project and you're, you have these questions in mind, you know, and you're, you know that you're thinking about the conflicts on the team, you're thinking about how to make the team, um, even better to improve its um, the ability of the coworkers to cooperate with each other. And if you're thinking about that, then you are being humble because you're questioning whether it can if it can be a better place. Mm-hmm. If you don't question that, you know, it kind of points that you're starting to not forget to be humble, but forgetting that there are faults, you know, in a team or in a um, company. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, um, you know, it, it ties in perfectly with what you've been saying throughout this segment and that you want to be aware um, when you're being humble and you want to kind of tie it in to the people around you and everything <laughs> like that. Um, uh, just one. Oh, I think I think we are running out of time. Um, but thank you, Katie, for this absolutely amazing conversation. Uh, yeah, sadly, it is time to say farewell. You know, that was a lot of great info. Uh, we give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Matt. And thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you to you, our listeners, uh, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Joven Hundle. And I'm Brigitte Gia. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For information on our creative community, go to expressyourselfteenradio.com and our main site at bethestarur.com. Until next week, be kind, practice humility, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. 
produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself.